0: So you know, whenever whenever one of us has extensive travel, I just like to get right into that. So let me let me just preemptively say, so I'm I'm in Beijing now, and uh, I had a I don't know if it was 14 or 15 hours. It was a long flight, and let me yep. let me just go over just very briefly flight tips. You know, everyone everyone likes the travel stuff, and by everyone I mean me, and I don't know, it'd be all solipsistic so, or whatever no, in like rest it. of the world. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, major update. If you're in the Austin airport, the Salt Lake has a gigantic new situation there. They've got like a bar and uh, they've got like a restaurant thing you can order from. Now listen. Being being an Austin native and, and you know y'all have been in Austin for a long time, the Salt Lake is not what I would call our premier barbecue operation. But oh, sacrilege, uh, you know, they're 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 consistent. They're fine. It's representative. Lots of people, when they come from out of town, they go to the Salt Lick, and that is great. They should just keep doing that. Right. I think I think if you haven't lived, however old I am, 40, if you haven't lived 40 years eating barbecue, then sure, you're going to be like, holy shit, what's going on here? Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like the reaction people have when you not only give them a breakfast taco, but you give them a Amiga's breakfast taco and they're like, this is amazing. Right, and and uh, whereas with us it's like yeah, this is every day in my life, so not a big deal. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, yeah, it's it's nice. So you can go there. Can, I didn't actually go there, but uh, it looks like it'd be great to hang out at it. So uh, I took a flight to Dallas. Then you go from Dallas to Beijing, just direct, which is nice. Wow. And And yeah. um, here's the thing: I consistently forget about international flights. Tell me if y'all have this experience, but. You look at your ticket, and it's like boarding at, at uh, 10.30, and you're like, oh, the Admiral's Club is right next door, so I'm going to go in there and just hang out for a little while. And then you come down at 10.30, and you're like the last person on the plane. And you're like, what the fuck? Because I think maybe they board international flights like 40 minutes or something before, uh, mm-hmm. before boarding time.
1: Don't they usually put that in on the ticket, though? I don't think
0: so. I didn't look at my paper right. ticket. I looked at my the- digital ticket.
1: So, so here's my, uh, my, my lounge pro tip. I always set a, an alarm for five minutes before the time on the boarding pass and that's when I go yeah and I'm usually okay I haven't I haven't gotten burned too much because because usually what happens is and now this is gonna sound you know elitist I guess but you know you've got you're in the lounge so you probably have some status and so you know they start queuing up for your 1040 boarding or whatever your time was. And then you just get in that business line and you
0: skip oh, the whole yeah. line. Yeah, I, I, pull, I pulled that <laughs> one. Usually, usually, I try to be a man of the people, and I don't do that. But, but then also, also, you know, the only reason my, you know, Kim, my wife, is always like, "Why would you want to get on the plane early?" Which she has a very valid point. But of course, the yep. reason domestically you want to get on the plane early because, is because the overhead baggage thing is a complete clusterfuck, right? It's just a fucking yep. mess. But on international flights, I don't think it's really that situation. I don't think I've ever on an international flight had had or seen problems with overhead space. There's always plenty of it but yeah. anyways it was it was just fine It was fine i decided i i i uh put on my my big boy pants and I decided I'm not gonna be one large backpack cool guy, and I would just take a rolling bag with me so yeah I'm doing that right. I, I apologize to all the one bag people and their' special New Zealand backpacks. But I just, it's, it's just, I had to, I looked like one of those like buzz cut soldier people with this gigantic <laughs> backpack on my back. And I was thinking, like, fuck it. I'm going to get a roller thing. And uh, <laughs> I think it <that> worked out. <laughs> well, how how long are you going for, KSA? I'm coming back Sunday night. My, I'll be back okay, in Austin You could have done it. That wasn't, it yeah, wasn't too yeah. Far. I mean, it wasn't too long. You could have done it. You could have made it work. Here's the situation, right? right? Right. So I, well, on that, I was, I was, my my buddy Andrew Schaefer couldn't make it for some reason, so now I'm giving the keynote, and I'm going to be in a CIO round, round table. and I, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to wear, so I overpacked, right? Normally uh, I would bring like one pair of blue jeans, and man, I need to buy some new blue jeans, but I'm afraid. Have you tried to buy new Levi's recently? It, talk about cluster fucks. It's just like they never fit well. Uh, uh, so. Usually, I have this pair of blue jeans that must be like ten years old or something I don't know and I, and I pack a couple of like cowboy shirts, and I'm good to go, but I was like ah, do, do I need a button up shirt, and do I bring this brown check button up shirt or this gray one i ah, it's just just annoying, so I fucked up yeah but yeah, plus I got all this computer equipment <laughs> but yeah, uh well, you know the flight was fine it was i I got an exit row seat, I got flight. I was on american airlines flight two sixty three seat nineteen k It was great and and as I was walking out of the airplane, I looked around and if you get the main cabin extra seats, those ones look fine too. You can never really tell yep. from seat guru, but they were good and then uh my only other my only other experience slash tip was I went to the Mahdi's store at the austin airport and uh usually uh-huh. usually when I'm there, I get the uh the migas with sausage, which is a substantial meal to get for traveling. They were out because, as I was told, their grill doesn't work, which is tragic. Uh, but so I got two breakfast tacos, and then I got two other breakfast tacos that I ate sometime later instead of uh, the sort of gross meals that they had. They weren't gross. They were just, like, served in an unappealing way.
1: Yeah, they're generally gross. Um, yeah. So so my my, uh, my pro tip is always, uh, uh, you know, I'm... Ostensibly vegetarian. So, you know, I go into the, the, the meal options. And uh, the, the ovo lacto is not usually as good as the Asian vegetarian. So, mm. heads up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so, you know, the only, the only <laughs> thing so far about uh, China seems nice. I was told it was going to be smoggy, but it looks fine to me. It got, uh, got blue skies. It's very beautiful. There's mountains in the background. And uh, the VPN situation here is really weird like you know they don't have uh, access to twitter and things like that so sometimes so i use i use cloak vpn uh and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work uh <laughs> and then and then pivotal has this vpn thing that i work and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work but that's because of some like itel driven help desk situation i didn't resolve like i've got access in some cities but not other cities And and, but then I've also noticed that you can use the pivotal VPN, and then some sites don't work. So then you can activate your cloak VPN, and I think that's a VPN and a VPN, and then and then I can post silly ideas on Twitter. So I can live my life.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what's important.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) speaking of what's important, it looks like on Monday, you know, and we'll just briefly touch on this because I know this is ostensibly a technology podcast, but uh, the Amazon is going to own Whole Foods. Just outright. Wow. It looks like they passed that all the stuff. That was fast. Steps. Yeah. Man. It was quick. Now, you can read the press release. This, this, it looks no, like, this is no Dell EMC. Hey, <laughs> there's no Carl Carl Icon situated in this yeah. or, or your other activist shareholders. I, w- I wonder if like Bezos runs around and every now and then he just flies into town and he finds one of these activist people and he's like, hi, you may not be aware of who I am, but I will kill you if you fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I imagine no one gives him the shit about, uh, you know, you need to raise your share price or things like that. But uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, it looks like, among other things, eggs will be cheaper at Whole Foods. That's fun. But what I was Ooh. most excited about is that we will be able to return Amazon items in uh, in Whole Foods, which I actually remember going to a Walgreens up the street for me and sticking a return item in an lock- Amazon locker there. But I was talking to Kim the other day, and that is like the one... The one annoyance of buying stuff from Amazon is returning stuff is a nightmare. And so, you really? know Well, I mean it's more of a nightmare than just going to Target and like, you know, giving yeah. it to them. But uh, you know, now now you'll be able to go return stuff at Whole Foods and apparently buy some not overpriced eggs. And and they were saying there's gonna be some benefits for, for uh for Prime members. My suggestion, <laughs> maybe free coffee. How about that? Just like Ooh. IKEA. Are you guys members <laughs> of IKEA oh, family? Man.
1: Yeah. Yes, of course.
0: Yeah. yeah. You go there, like, free coffee. Boom. Right? Like, that's yeah. that's uh, that's the Nordic way right there. Are they Nordic? So do you think
2: they have, like, a like a big, uh, I don't know, flack of a better word, go-to-market plan? Like, there's this, like, Amazon long document. As soon as the acquisition closes, they're going to, like, do these 50 different things? Or is it like, okay, well, now we own it. Let's go down there and see what they do. <laughs> like, I mean, like, what? Because um, I've been on... A actually, no, I, think, I really believe, I don't know, Kote, you've maybe been in M&A, M&A a little bit more, um, but I actually believe that. Like, I've been part of both acquisitions. Like, Things get bought, and people are just like, all right, let's go see what you do now. And other times, like they have a very specific plan. So uh, Amazon does seem like the company that would have a very thought-out plan, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm interested yeah. in you guys think.
0: Yeah, well, you know, here's, here, I, I was having that thought. I mean, you know, it's the, uh, you got the two models. You got the, uh, give the, the, give the undercarriage a little, how's your father after you, uh, acquire it, see what's going on. Or you got the detailed plan. Now, with the specific details they had in the press release about what is going to happen on Monday, I feel like they have a plan, right? Like, yeah. I have, I've read press releases for many acquisitions and most of them are like, Oh, we're going to synergy all over the place. See you later. No questions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But this, this is very tactical and specific. Right. And there were even uh, promises made about prime deals and memberships and stuff. So I think, uh, I I think, rest assured, they, they have plans. I think there is an extensive appendix for the six page memo on Amazon buying Whole Foods.
2: On, on the thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I just think, I do think
0: it is such a
2: different business like you know many of the acquisitions i've been a part of either on either side is there's like some product there's a sales force and you're just you know basically retraining the sales force like hey sell this new thing this is why it's great here's how you can make more money uh, at the end of the year but i mean they, this is like an entire grocery store chain that yeah. they've never necessarily uh, owned before so even for someone as thought out as amazon i would imagine they'd be like oh wait a minute that's right. I never thought about that problem that you guys have been wrestling with for 25 years at Whole yeah, Foods. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I, I think on on the other hand, I mean, Amazon. It's easy for us nerds to forget. I mean, Amazon is a retail company, and they, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know their executive uh, Rouster. Rouster. is that how you say it? Roster. But uh, I think they hire a lot of people from you know like Walmart and Target, and and they probably have hired oh, a lot sure. of groceries. But yeah. Now, yeah. now that that said. There probably is, on the horizon, some sort of culture class, because I don't know if y'all or the audience has been paying attention, but Amazon seems not maybe like the most soft and touchy place to work, (laughs) right, and definitely at the executive layer, and and Whole Foods, even though, what's the guy's name, Mackey, even though every now and then Mackey just says some, like, off-the-wall, nutty-ball shit, like... It, you know, since we since we at least being in Austin, you follow it. And I don't know. He's got a clock of about every three or five years. You're just like, whoa, this guy forgot to like turn off his internet <laughs> at night or something like that. But uh, he
1: pulls out his Ayn Rand tattoos and
0: exactly, yeah, yeah. So, but but you know, the overall impression I've had about Whole Foods over the year, not least of which because it looks like it looks like maybe when the thundercloud subs people get married and have kids, they go and work at Whole Foods. You know, it's oh, so, yeah. so they're kind of, you know, you got your next your sleeve tattoos and stuff like that. And, and they seem like nice people. <laughs> and so uh, if, if Amazon does some of its uh, draconian stuff, then who knows? But then again, like I've been seeing billboards that if you want to go work in an Amazon warehouse in San Marcos, they're hiring lots of people. Who knows? But uh, yeah. And, and it is also like having I imagine having like uh, physical store locations. And perishable items are a lot different than like you know sending me a nine dollar iPhone charger cord, but uh, but we'll see. I mean I don't. I mean the most exciting, most exciting, relevant to our interest. What I'm interested in seeing is like what uh, uh, what the digital transformation is. Like what they'll uh, what Amazon will have them do, and like will everything move to AWS and. I don't know, they're going to pull up some snowballs next to each store or something. Like, it'll be interesting to, to see what they do there. Because I think I mentioned this way back when they, they were uh, talking about this deal is, I remember maybe last year getting really excited that there was this transcript of the, the, the Whole Foods CIO talking about their cloud strategy. And I went to go read it. And as far as I could tell, their cloud strategy was using Workday. I'm sure it was a little bit more than that, but it wasn't like something I would call a full-on cloud strategy. So I would imagine with Amazon, there's probably a lot more cloud strategy going on there. And so it will be interesting to see that if you have – now, it would be even more interesting if Amazon is just like, fuck it. Paper on a clipboard is great. Go do some inventory. Uh, But if they have like a full-on like, you know – the the eighteen parts of an omni channel experience for uh, grocery stores and things like that. It'll be it'll be interesting yeah. to see what they do. And then of course the knock on effect is that uh, all the other grocery chains, maybe not our beloved HEB, because they'll just be like, Hi, I'm H E B. I rule this market. Uh but it'll it'll be it'll be fun to see how the other grocery chains uh similarly uh try yeah, to get
1: that. I'm sure there's a, a lot of people making that uh sunday night uh alaska airlines direct to seattle flight from from uh from whole foods and yeah you know they're going for their they're getting their aws certifications if they're from it and they're you know they're going to get indoctrinated properly and you know uh I, that's what's going on i am I'm, I'm sure that they will be a assim- Uh oh are you still there really but uh, that will become a smooth, efficient, you know, grocery killing machine. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, there's a couple of things. Like, one, if, if you want to know more about John Mackey, I, I recommend the uh, interview he did on uh, how I built this with Guy Raz. So if Cote is up to it after his long flight, maybe he can drop that link in the show notes. And, and the other thing I thought was interesting was, I don't know if it's so much an answer, but I did see, you know, Walmart and Google Kind of announcing some partnership around, you know, um, you know, the Google Home and being able to order. Which I, I will say, my uh, early analysis of this just seems like a train wreck that will never work. But um, <laughs> I was just, just like, Hot, I mean, yeah. I'd because sometimes you, know you just look at yeah, it, you're like, these two people. Yeah. yeah, I just, I just, you're just like, I don't think these two companies are destined to work together. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe they have a 50 page memo of ways of integration that is going to work, but uh, it did not come across to me as uh, the most promising endeavor. But good luck to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. That uh, I, I, yeah, I don't want to go on a whole like, uh, like voice rant. That, that probably, I'm probably going to be proven wrong on that, but that just, that just, I can't even get the goddamn Electa to like convert cups to milliliters for me without repeating it five times. It's just like we gotta we gotta solve some basic problems here. Right?
1: Yeah but but, but I, the okay. uh
0: but but she is moderately good at controlling your fire stick from there, right, like uh, it's kind of at the same level that like you know when you hook your <laughs> iPhone or what have you up to a Bluetooth thing, like it more or less understands what play and pause means, no matter what medium you're on, like it sort of is at that level of stuff, but uh but you know who Too knows? much work, yeah, yeah. yeah,, better to have the well, bows do it.
2: Last week, uh, didn't your buddy Schaefer uh, you know school us on the uh, the the coming winter of AI? That's right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I think he said this yeah. was the third or fourth. I can't remember exactly. It's it's like Game of Thrones. I don't know how many winters there's been, but one is near.
0: <laughs> I know. Right? Coming. Coming. And and you, you're so reading. You're that was re- a tweet of his. You're reading the books, or at least when I was. And at some point, they're like, "Oh, and by the way, the length of winters is variable." And you're like, "Ah, fuck! Now I can't sort this out at all." <laughs> Uh, yeah. well, we only have
2: to talk about it for a second but i do like the fact that there aren't any books the the writers that are now in charge of game of Thrones, are like man we got to wrap this up fast we're just going to make things go a lot faster yeah. So, yeah. so uh which i have to say like i know everyone's like up in arms about that but i'm like i don't know i kind yeah. of appreciate what's the guy's like, name just...
0: george, george hr mcmasters or something like uh, <laughs> R-
2: uh yeah. R- R. no it's definitely not hr mcmasters i I feel, totally I feel like
0: i feel like if there was ever a successful author that I identify with, it would be him, where basically he's like, I'm fucking rich now. I'm not doing this bullshit anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to hang out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch that show eventually.
0: He's like, um, you know, the 300th time I read The Lord of the Rings trilogy, I really found a whole new substrate in it. So I need to go yeah. back and read it again. Cause, I'm, I'm reading it with my kids
1: right now. Because yeah.
0: Yeah. I really like a story where people just walk around a lot and sing. That's what I'm into. <laughs>
1: Oh, so so so. Do you want to just like, and then they sang and you know skip the next two pages. You know, or how, how, when it comes to singing in books, how do you do it for your kids? And
0: then and then in the first one, what's the what's that weird god's name? Wilbur Force or whatever. John John Happy Pants. Like just all of a sudden they go hang out with this guy in the forest with his fairy lady, and you're just like, what what the hell is this guy doing here? It's a good idea that he was taken out of the movies. It just doesn't really uh, add very much to it. You know, not that I have opinions on the Lord of the Rings trilogy or anything. (laughs) What what was that guy's name? (laughs) Do you remember what what that guy's name in the forest was?
1: Um, Tom Bumblefeet. Yeah, there you
0: go. Tom Bumbledore for something.
1: Well, so... (laughs) 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 <laughs> We're the worst nerds.
0: <laughs> As they say in another series of podcasts, it's probably time to start the show. Uh, so, <laughs> I I saw I saw that uh, that Oracle is looking to. I I don't know if I think I guess J, J it's J E E nowadays, right? Since uh, two thousand four, probably. I'm just going to keep saying J two E because that's fun. But uh, yeah. I, I saw I saw that they're they're looking to move J two ee E to a foundation, and they. I guess it was open source already. I don't know. There was some sort of, like, Simon Phipps rant about the TCK kit and all the people over at the ASF. God bless all their souls. But, like, it looks like they're finally open sourcing all the j 2 e stuff and, and hunting for a foundation. Speaking of press releases that were don't have, you know, an extensive appendix, it doesn't look like they found a foundation yet. So I don't know if... Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about what happens in the Java community anymore. I mean, people talk about it, and then it's basically like it's best not to talk about Java because those Guardians of the Galaxy people will just come and, like, knock your, you silly. I experienced but this a I little thought, while ago. I
1: thought but. Pivotal was all about the, the Java stuff.
0: Hey, you know there's people in Pivotal who are, and they can—they'll talk to you about Java. But I, oh, that's I, you. I, I, I do not want to participate in the delightful discussion you're, that is the Java
1: community. You're, you're busy uh, CTO uh, roundhouse in it, right? Yeah, um, um, in you wanna, you wanna, it. You want to talk about it.
0: cloud native and digital transformation, DevOps? I'm your man. That, but Java—that's Java,
1: that's your body. Yeah, but yeah.
0: The, the Java people apparently uh, to to quote from one of my f- current favorite hip hop hip hop songs: "You are not invited." right? So uh, they can have fun. <laughs> Anyways, if, if uh, you know, you got to watch out for those Guardians people, because they'll come and not mm. be silly. But it looks like Oracle doesn't yet have a foundation in mind. I mean, I'm guessing there's basically three foundations you would go to, right? You got, uh, you got the right. Linux Foundation, you got, yep. uh, which, which is very popular nowadays. And then you got the Eclipse yep. Foundation, and then you got the ASF. I'm sure I'm insultingly right. leaving someone else out now. I don't know. What first? What, 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 what do you? What do you? What do y'all think of this? Do you, you care? Does this even come up on your radar?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there is a case to be made for it. Um, I, you know, I, I've I've had a few conversations with some Oracle folks in the last you know couple months, and you know, they are they are making that transition like Microsoft did, right? Where they're like, you know what, <laughs> everybody hates us. Let's let's you know. To, to change the narrative, and Oracle's going to be, real, you know, recognizing that you know we all actually are in a new world, and people need to work together, and you know we can't really milk this Java thing properly, so let's let's try to build up some goodwill. Mm. That that's my take on it. Yeah. And you know, if if if, and of course, you know, the flip side would would be like if the foundation turned out to be like the Oracle Foundation. Hey. <laughs> A, the Human Foundation. Um, so, so I, I think Oracle is trying to start doing the right thing, um, but you know they obviously uh, they've got some some headway to make. Um, and I think when it comes down to the foundations, uh, probably you know I, I love a lot of Apache software. Um, the ASF, however, is not particularly uh, evangelical. For their prop projects, mm. they really are just there to make sure they're well governed, and they don't really do a lot to hype the brand or you know build momentum or anything along those fronts. Yeah. Um, the Linux Foundation is much better at that, and you know I, I they they've you know it's called the Linux Foundation, but they've become this umbrella for so many things that aren't even Linux anymore. Um, that maybe that's a good place for it. Uh, you know, and it seems like the Eclipse Foundation, I don't really hear that much about them anymore. You know, So maybe it's because I'm not using Eclipse. Yeah. I yeah. do you think it's
2: good to find a – I mean, I think there are a couple things there. One, it's good that Java is – whether, you know, people talk about it or not, right? I mean, it certainly is still very heavily used, right, on all kinds of things. So I think preserving it or making it, if you will, finding the right home so that that, you know, it can kind of – continue on that path is probably important i think oracle from a business standpoint probably is at a point where it's just like we can make more money by keeping it in a foundation you know and you know kind of assuring people that it it does have a a a way forward that's open and you know kind of if you will reduces the fud that sometimes gets thrown around around oracle so so i think it is important it just it is one of those things though. they don't really i can't say to me like I see this discussed nearly as much as like I think. I think it was discussed like during like the trial of Oracle suing Google and then the Sun. You know, it feels like that's sort of like it's almost in some ways. It's sort of all this has been decided, and this is sort of like the last thing that has to be done. Is like okay, now we need uh, to find a foundation.
1: I mean, I, I know I know that there's a Node Foundation. Are there any other languages that have that that belong? you know and that have a foundation running over them i mean
0: isn't isn't like php somewhere or or is php still that language that actually has no spec if you stare at it long enough or something weird like that <laughs> like i remember like i yeah that's a good question i mean of course the asf has like their java implementation which i forget what it's called but but yeah that's i don't know maybe go is set up somewhere it would be weird if go wasn't like some pure open source thing wouldn't it that must be yeah i mean
1: it seems like yeah you know, and we, we what's up with our our research team
0: um, yeah. fact, you know, fact checkers are you know it's august the uh, the fact checking yeah. desk has the month off they're uh, they're traveling yeah, we, abroad
1: we should get uh, we should get uh, uh, Mark Hinkle on the show he's over I was at our, say. At, at he's, all, he, he's at the node foundation now right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, could get, new we could get him to get us the inside scoop on languages and foundations
0: so so yes. i i think i think maybe to close out this topic here's here's kind of what i'm interested in with this other, other than you know, on the sidelines watching nerds fight over stuff that seems totally irrelevant to me, which is always entertaining. But uh, you know, so so Java, I would, you, I shouldn't. It's not on the descent, but it's in the plateau of productivity, right? And right. Mu- and much of what we look at is when something is on. Let's see, ascend means going uphill, right? Uh, it took me like twenty years to figure that out. But when it, when a technology is on the ascent, there's all sorts of nuttiness going on that interestingly has little to do with, like, how you monetize it. Like, all of the fighting around, I mean, to some extent, but, you know, you can see the fighting around, like, Docker and containers and all this other stuff. And there's, like, control being battled for, but it's kind of control for profit way sometime into the future. And there's a lot of, like keynotes they philosophize about how they're the most awesome people for the community and this that and the other and debates about how many things are in production but not but there's always very little talk about money because which is fine i mean there's talk about money as a cheap shot like a, a sucker punch to someone but uh you know when you're on the ascent like you're figuring things out if you've read your your lean startup or whatever whereas something like java is sort of like clearly uh approaching a long winter of profitability, right
1: well uh, you know there and, there, and, there was the, uh, the the Redmond guys had their language oh yeah um, no no exactly you know.
0: exactly and and to to clarify, I'm not saying it's on the decent, I'm saying it's a right. stabilized market, right, which is great, yeah in the, in, the, in the same way yeah. that like I don't know electricity is a stabilized market, but we wouldn't say that it's in trouble, right, uh, right. Uh, and so it's interesting, it'll be interesting to see what the open source dynamics are in a stabilized market versus like a hot and thriving market, right? Like, and just to throw out some theories, I don't know if I agree with this, like I would suspect the people making the decisions are a lot older, right? And so like, how will that change things, right? And then also the people making decisions are driven a lot more by like current revenue and profits that they have maybe. And so how does that, like there's probably like no VC think involved in any of it, right? And so it'll be interesting to see how that, changes things about about how something like this is open sourced and the ongoing community management for it
1: well i know i know um there was uh the latest round of android sdks opened up development in uh kotlin it's it's like a a variant of of java that's oh yeah uh, yeah what is that yeah um uh steve Yege had a good article about it um let me. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, now, does, but, does this uh,
0: mean that that serverless or Jeff is over, and it's all about by? What was it? Coquette, Kotlin, or something? Is that Kotlin, is that what I yeah. need to do some slides on now?
1: No. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, this is just um, like uh, the, the the blog post. Uh, I'll link to it. Um, was was essentially saying like you know Kotlin makes uh, Java relevant again. Oh right right and, and and it turns out like kotlin on the latest uh, red monk uh, language things you know just skyrocketed on the list out of you know completely nowhere cuz i hadn't heard of kotlin until i read the blog post and then you know it was backed up you know right. uh as you know the most fastest moving language and so there's probably and a lot really, of, a
0: lot of posts on stack overflow saying i'm having trouble installing this can you help me <laughs>
1: yeah i don't understand yeah what's wrong no um but yeah, so we'll put that in the show notes. It's it's worth a read. Um, not that I'm going back to Java anytime soon, but uh, you know it, uh, it it does seem like it's a very stable platform that still has a ton of use left in it. And you know, Android is probably the biggest platform app out there, actually. Yeah.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. Well, well, to to y'all's points about me earlier, I mean, uh, it's probably fair to say that a majority of current Pivotal Cloud Foundry customers use Java and .NET is like whatever .NET is. As a Java person, I realize that when I say .NET, that's sort of just like saying democracy, like it's actually a lot more specialized for instance or whatever, but like uh it seems like those two will be probably the dominant things that our type of customers, large enterprises uh use. So yeah, I mean as ever, right? To make the joke clear, whenever people are like, oh, Java will be revitalized or like Java is dead, they're wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like Java is incredibly like vital to the way that all software works globally, right? And uh, right. it's it's used everywhere. But, you know, there's always like, remember when uh, everything was going to be in Erlang and Scala? Those were good times. Th- that was <laughs> fun. And so uh, yep. I'm sure everything's going to be in uh, CoffeeScript or uh, Kotlin. Or whatever. It's all gonna be a go, go to yeah. the new. You can you can you can write all your jeffs in uh, in in Kotlin, and and then be done. That that sounds good. All right. Well, so speaking of people on the ascent, I think I think there yes. was a, a fascinating write up of how GitHub put Kubernetes Kubernetes in in uh, in production. Did you did y'all read that?
1: I did. I there, did. There were two. Um, they
0: wrote a post, and then the, our friends over at the New Stack. They wrote a review of uh, a review. They wrote a rehashing of the post with with some interview points in there. But it was, uh, you don't get a chance to read about, to read at length something written that clearly about how someone built their uh, their platform stack. And uh, it mm-hmm. was interesting. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it. it uh, you know they talked about like, well, you know, we were running into performance issues with our current. Uh, you know, bare metal deployments, and um, you know they they were starting to experiment with moving into containers, and uh, you know Kubernetes seems 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 like the the current winner. And so, uh, rather than kind of start on the edges with the small service, they're like, ah, let's just grab you know the most problematic and popular service we have. <laughs> And and you know and, and so it, it's a good read because because they talk about you know slowly moving traffic over to it and seeing how it performs and you know yeah. and it wasn't all it wasn't all you know sunshine and rainbows and they talk about the the yeah. issues they had and um, definitely a good read and the the new stack uh, is a nice compliment to it you know if you if you need to read twice as much on the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, it was it was fun because it was like yeah we we have some bash scripts. There's some puppet in there. It was it was all all the uh, all the great players of building your own stack. Now, of course, I would be remiss being a pivotal person if I wasn't like looks like a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> and, and and but you know I'm guessing for the uh, for the the staffing and the what would you call it? Not really like the economics, but for the type of company that GitHub is. It's probably fine for them to like build their own stuff, but it is. Uh, oh, absolutely! It, it'll yeah. it'll it'll be a uh, depending on depending on how skilled the rep in the room is. It'll be either a burr or a great accelerant for like pitching uh, a full-on platform as a service thing, right? Because uh, you read through it and it's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna have to get me some nerds and they're gonna integrate stuff together, and then we're gonna go need to go get some like middleware on top of it, and uh, so it's a good it's a good. Uh, in the most positive way, if you imagine that old uh, Rorschach image where, like, is it a wine glass or two people kissing? Like, one side of that is, like, you know, this article, and the other side is, like, endless articles about how, uh, you know, Cloud Foundry based things are better because you don't have to put up with things. And, uh, well, you know, it, dep- it depends yeah. on what your needs are. But it is what, what, what I like about it is is one, it kind of shows, like, building your own stuff. But as you were saying, the the overall experience report of like the, the problems you encounter and how you solve them and the temperance the temperament you need to have of getting over these things is, is really interesting in the article of like, well, we knew it was going to be a hassle, so we did it. <laughs> and here's yeah, how we fix I, the
1: problems and address things. Yeah, I mean, GitHub is clearly a, a unicorny infrastructure company, right? Like, they have scale problems that nobody else has. They're constantly dealing with, you know, Attacks of every sort. I mean, it is. They are, you know, you are not GitHub. You know, you are not Google. You are not GitHub. You are not Facebook. Um, and so, they can talk about you know the lessons learned at GitHub, and some of them may be, you know, maybe transferable to your enterprise. But realistically, you know, your enterprise is you know only a couple thousand machines, and you know it's a lot of relatively small workloads, and you know. Uh, you don't have half of twitter complaining when you have, you know, a 20 minute outage. Um, so so yeah, i mean the lessons are like kubernetes is, you know, is kind of the the lingua franca for a lot of this going forward, but it's still a lot of kick to fit. You know, and and yeah, maybe maybe something else would be easier. Yeah. They're
0: going to have to switch over to that Kotlin now is just my.
1: <laughs> but doesn't it seem like GitHub is like probably
2: culturally, I mean, it would be almost impossible. I think from a cultural standpoint for them not to want to embrace like the newest thing. Totally. And, you know, so I just, I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine an enterprise sales rep.
0: Is it making GitHub, any
2: traction there? Try, trying to, uh, you know, talk about developer productivity and, how, how we can make this a lot? Of, it just—I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that would be possible. Maybe I'm wrong, but that would be <laughs> so very. Like,
1: you don't know how like, much they ask and they buy.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you just—you just, uh, just kind of you know take them to lunch, and you're like, "Yeah, we we presented, we went to lunch, and yeah, it didn't work out. We're going on to the next lead."
0: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That is, you know, I I really have no thoughts on this. I mean, I mean, and I mean that literally, not in my snarky way about like I don't want to share my thoughts, but like. It it would be interesting to have kind of like a a six or twelve page like analysis of what you just said there. Like what is what is like the the actionable difference between those two lunch meetings you're going to have, right? Like one lunch meeting, let's say it's with uh, who do you got over there in San Francisco? BOA, aren't they based? Isn't Bank of America based there or something? I don't know. Yep, yep. You're you're, you're going to have a lunch meeting with BOA on Tuesday uh and then, and then you're going to have a lunch meeting with uh the GitHub people on Wednesday and like what's going on in that meeting in the heads of people and everything it'd be interesting to like f- right figure out like how why and how those things are so different in, in the approach well i
2: would say the I have had a chance to do some of those meetings. So it's it's actually Wells Fargo. It's in San Francisco uh, and right. Bank of America's in, in Charlotte. So yeah, I have had I apologize the Wells... to the East Coast. Oh, that's Charlotte's right. a lovely you know, city. I've been there many times. It is. Charlotte's a lovely city. Great great yeah. bacon customers there. Enjoy going there. Bojangles. Uh, good pork bar- I know that much. Good pork barbecue. But I would say, you know, not. I've never tried to sell any like a development thing. That seems like the hardest. But I've definitely been in these rooms trying to sell, unfortunately, monitoring systems. And, you cool. know, when you go into a banking system, right? There, It's much more about a group of people like seeking information, trying to figure out like if this tool can, you know, help get them the reports they need and make sure their site is up and, you know, and it's really much more like a very traditional stuff. When you go in any of these kind of like San Francisco startups, it's just, you know, it's the first thing is them telling you why what they've done is so, so different and, and they are usually really knowledgeable and it's just, and and these are the people that tend to want to write their own monitoring systems. So it's just yeah. it's kind of one of these things where it's like, I don't know if it's right that they should want to write them, but it's usually they will identify something about it that of course they feel like they have to have and need. And, you know, it's just a it can be a very <laughs> difficult conversation. So this is why I think a lot of startup companies end up with so many different custom monitoring systems um, that often pull out as open source projects later on. So it's just, and I think it's just culture. Like I, you know, that's why I like to use that word. It's just, it's okay, right? I don't think there's anything wrong. Like everything has a culture, right? There's always a bias in every company towards something, right? So it's just understanding that culture and being honest, being like, well, maybe guys, maybe in your case. You know, you should write your own thing, right? But, you know, I just want you to know what we do, right? This is what we do. Let's go to lunch. I, I guess, <laughs> you
0: know? I guess, I guess, in that lunch, you have the ritualistic fifteen minutes of complaining about Nagios, right? Does that happen? Already? Yeah, oh, of course, of course, yeah.
2: everybody has Nagios because that's like the first thing you set up, and then you know it doesn't work, and then this is what, and then you know graphite, and then they started, you know, the whole conversation happens, and it's like, but I do get it, like when people are experts, and and like, and I think this is true of anything, like. I don't know, like selling yeah, you know, like when I go to the grocery store I just the bananas like if I was a chef right and you're like you know in there like looking at all the produce and you know a lot about it it's just a lot more difficult and I think that's just the true of anything in life so knowing how difficult your customer I'm sure Matt Ray I imagine you have the same kind of thing right like you go into a group of people that have been doing some form of DevOps and know your products inside and out it's a much different conversation than you know maybe somebody that is you know not living it all the time.
0: Yeah yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, anti-tip here. Just don't buy the bananas at Costco. I don't know what they do with them, but like we have bought the bananas at Costco like three times and I guess they ship them like they're all green. And then so you got this like, I don't know what you call a banana, a bunch, a clutch. You got, you got like, (laughs) what am I going
1: to do with 37 green bananas?
0: You got these 12 green bananas and you're like, well, I can't eat them. And then like overnight one day, suddenly they're all ripe and you're like, fuck. And then they all go bad. Just you got to buy your bananas at your your HEB or I don't know, get them shipped from Amazon, Whole Foods now. But just and they come in this plastic bag and they just like very unappealing the way they package the bananas there. I've got a lot of issues with the fruit at Costco. There's something wrong going on there. But uh, don't buy those bananas. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, uh, let's see what 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 else we got. I'm doing a good job emceeing this this morning. You know, yeah, I I noticed here's something I want to get y'all's take on. Uh, because there might be something better on it. So my old friends at 451 Research, I think they've been oh, – Brennan over there and his team, they're sort of like the finance people. They've been doing a good job providing public content about their, uh, their M&A coverage in tech. And they had one earlier this week. I mean, does anyone really know what time it is when you're traveling across the dateline? But uh, <laughs> earlier this week, uh, they said they had an estimate that like in this year, a quarter – which, for those who uh, have a liberal arts degree, is twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent of M and A deals are going to be done in tech, are going to be done by PE firms. Which—that's high, right? I that's feel, new? yeah, I feel, I, mean, I feel like that is high. There's a chart which I don't have handy that shows this growth going up. I don't know if it's over the year, but anyways, it is a lot. And uh, I think that kind of, like, I mean, sort of. Um, What's the word? Confirms the ongoing suspicion that we've had around here because it comes up all the time. But if you read in the details, which if you listen to the software to define talk members only white paper exegesis podcast, you'll know that you always want to look at the details. The footnotes is where the the real the real white paper battle is. Uh, But it says it says P.E. firms are going to purchase roughly 900 tech companies out of like, I don't know. So they're uh, 25 percent of the 900 tech company deals. And I was thinking, like, who are these nine hundred tech companies like that's a lot of tech companies, and mm-hmm. you know, having worked with these people when I was at four or five one they probably i used to use their data they probably include like all of the managed hosting companies globally, which will get your number way up, but it's sure. sort of like there's i mean there's that funky two f a uh software company up on six twenty by where I live, so I guess any given major city has Maybe fifty tech companies or something potentially, yeah. but like nine hundred tech companies that's a lot like I don't know, so it makes me a little suspicious, but I don't know, do you think do you nine hundred is a lot of tech companies
2: uh, no I don't think so at all think i think when when you break down all the different niche um, software vendors and you know and by tiny verticals MSPs and,
1: and, and
2: MSPs and yeah I think you get to 900 yeah. okay like okay fairly. that's
1: that's fair
0: that's fair I mean and and it does also that volume and those are only that's not the total population as I think you would say that's not your uh uppercase in it's just the uh it's just the amount of deals they're predicting will be done that I I think and and then so that also, like, is interesting, as you were saying, like, there's a lot of P.E. going into buying small companies, which which is interesting. that they would Yeah,
2: have I have to, to say buy. I'm a, I'm even surprised it's not more. I mean, some of this is just geographic bias. But, you know, here in Austin, right, I feel like 50 percent of the companies get bought by private equity, Vista Equity or Bain or yeah. some format of those guys. And I mean, obviously, San Francisco, I could see that being a lot more, you know. Uh, just traditional big companies acquiring smaller ones, but I mean, I think when you get outside of some of maybe you know even outside of Silicon Valley, and you think about some of the smaller companies or some, uh, different cities where maybe you know software companies aren't nearly as big or as aren't don't have these great unicorn growth models. That I, I just feel like that's what these private equity firms are just doing. They're just rolling these up as fa- as fast as they can. You know, Silver Lake, right? If we just go through the list, right? So. Uh, I don't I don't know. Like to me, if anything, that's that feels low. But yeah. um Fair we'll enough.
0: See. All right, well they're good. I'm glad I asked. I mean it does it does sort of make sense if you sort of as 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 my MBA friends used to say, back out of that number and uh kind of reverse engineer the implications of it. So there you go. Unlocking value, right and left. <laughs> Private equity. Yep. Do you do, you know, this is a side note. Do you do y'all know other than the uh, fake terrorist organization and house of cards what ICOs are? Like, I keep reading a lot of stuff about that, and I feel like I listened to some Planet Money episode with that delightful Felix person, and they were explaining it, but I think I was making some migas at the time, so I wasn't listening. But, like, (laughs) do you you, you all know what that is? What is this? this Yeah, yeah, it's just an
2: IPO for one of the cryptocurrencies, right? That's all it is. So it's Uh, like if you're launching one of these cryptocurrencies, you do an ICO where you initial coin offering where you take it out and you let investors, like, you know, buy up all the, the various crypto coins and, you know, basically making an, uh, an investment. And, it's, and I guess in the financial world right now, it's like a huge, I mean, I think one of the coin, you know, crypto uh, hedge funds is up like 2,000%, right? So they're buying up all these different coins and there's like, I mean, it's, a lot, it's well beyond Bitcoin now. It's like, uh, what's the one with the E, um, I forget it. Yeah, Ethereum and there's but there's a whole bunch of others. So there's all these guys coming out and doing these different different coin offerings. And so it's really like a new financial product is if you want to think of it. Like kind of like old school mutual funds. People are now doing these these various coins, right? And then they're the offering is making some case that this specific kind of cryptocurrency is gonna become really, really big in the future because it solves Either a generalized need, or it solves you know some some kind of specific need in some specific area. So, so I think it's you know it's probably the most speculative. Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's something. Even as I say that, I'm sure there's something more crazy. But it is a very speculative area of investment at this point, and some people are making a killing. And I don't know. I mean the cryptocurrency thing is about as like because you. I guess the way I understand you're really making two bets. First, you're betting that cryptocurrency in general will take off, and then you're betting the specific cryptocurrency that you bought, you know, coins in, in the ICO will mm. be successful. So you kind of think of like two levels of risk uh, inside that bet. And yeah.
0: so, so, so I, uh-huh. I, I I know I know that Matt Ray has to go gallivant at an airport with his family soon. So I don't want to get uh-huh. into it. But like one day, someone is going to have to explain all that stuff to me. But it sounds like what you're saying is basically. There are these, these cryptocurrency markets emerging. And what you're doing is you're speculating that whichever one you're investing in, you're speculating that there will be some value in it in the future, basically. That it will be... And that could be that, like... uh Wells Fargo BOA is like, yeah, we're just going to add that on. And so you'll be able to convert freely between like actual real money and crypto things. Or we're going to give you a exactly. card like Square is going to have a card and says like, yeah, you can go down to the bodega and buy your burrito with uh, some Doge coins or something like that. And then once yeah. someone someone does <laughs> that, then Doge coins are like the thing and burritos for everyone. And uh, but yeah. and, and then meanwhile, you your your strike price was like. I paid the equivalent of like five cents per dollar, and so now I'm rich guy or gal, uh, based on you got that. it. Okay, you
2: got it. That's okay. exactly right. So, man, so if you believe, you know, get the, into some ICOs.
0: The smart money play there: burritos. You always want to be selling burritos to the gold miners. <laughs> am I right?
2: Exactly. <laughs> I've been eating. There's so always money In this case, is, in is the burritos, burritos like a? A pivotal install or like some ibm cloud or some uh, yeah, some no, chef no, maybe man. can we man, can, we, can we make
0: that a uh, case burrito, actually I, I think i think in this instance burritos are just burritos it's like freud said oh, okay. sometimes a burrito is okay, just a burrito <laughs> <laughs> well, Fre- can't,
2: can't go wrong there uh,
0: so. okay all right well that that makes sense icos icos bitcoin blockchain huh. All right. Well, to do to do our late term mid roll now. Now, uh, I actually had to go through Matt Ray's conference uh, conference list and delete a few because they were in, in the past. And I know that only uh-huh. a few of you in the audience have a time machine, but most of you don't. So it's not really relevant. But uh, why don't you give people I usually uh, Bogart the uh, the the thing here. Why don't you go first, Matt Ray? Tell us. Oh. Tell us what the, the the fall and winter tour is looking like.
1: <laughs> the, the the Matt Ray global tour uh-huh. uh, continues unabated. Yes. Um, next week, I will be at the AWS uh, Australian Public Sector Summit in uh-huh. Canberra. Now, did you, uh, did
0: you pronounce that correctly per Tasty Meets Paul? I saw he had some yes. problems.
1: Okay. Yes. I, I'm working on it. I'm Canberra. working on it. I, I've been, Canberra. I've, I've been corrected on my pronunciations, and I'm trying to – Make sure I have an ear for how the locals say it. So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, working on my Melbourne, my, my Canberra, uh, to, to, tonight I'm going up to, uh, uh, Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, working on it, working mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah, I, I, did, I did two meetups this week, but, uh, next week, just the public sector summit, no meetups. Uh, the week after that, um, headed to Singapore, nothing public there. Um, but I will be going to DevOps Days Bangalore, uh, India, in uh, the fifteenth. I'll be doing the Azure Sydney meetup. I'll be doing DevOps Days New Zealand. Uh, got a talk accepted there. Um, spoiler: It might be given by one of my coworkers.
0: Oh yeah, and, are, you, are uh, you gonna? So are you gonna be going to that? Because I'll be there.
1: Yeah, I know you'll be there. I'll be in Japan. Mm. Uh, taking the family to Japan. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Brisbane Azure. User group and Agile New Zealand and DevOps Day Singapore. So Sing-
0: Singapore stops. twice, New Zealand once. Let's, Singapore lots of twice, there.
1: yeah. New Zealand once, Bali once, India once. Uh huh. So far.
0: Well, uh, I don't really have any anything to advertise yet. Uh, we, we will have a Datadog sponsorship. Maybe next week that'll kick in. But uh, so you know, if you have any questions about Datadog. No one's really sent any to us, so using my lean startup methodology, this idea was a failure that I am learning from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you could, you could, uh, what, what, why don't you, why don't you, Eric Rice me into thinking it was—is uh, is it Rice or Reese, whatever—into uh, thinking it was a good idea. But I too will be at many DevOps Days. I'll be, I'll be in Nashville. We got a twenty-five dollar off code if you use the code twenty seventeen Nash DevOps Days. And uh, that's October 17th and 18th. I'll also be in Kansas City. Uh, that's September 24th and 24th. That would be nice. September 21st and 22nd is uh, DevOps Days Kansas City, and I'll be there as well. And that's uh, you can get a uh, a code. Uh, SDT twenty seventeen to get I think it's about twenty percent off. They actually didn't send us the figures over and I haven't asked them. And I'll be at DevOps Days Riga earlier that week so when you see me in Kansas City I'll be completely non functional probably except for the talk which I will nail and it will be awesome. So don't worry about that. And uh I don't know. I think I also I'll be at DevOps Devox uh Belgium. Now DevOps, not to be confused with DevOps. But uh I'll I'll be there. I think this will actually unless you are at the the OpenStack Summit uh, talk in Austin last week. This will be the first time not you know, the OpenStack meetup thing. This will be the first time I give my uh, what's up with DevOps and Enterprise architecture, Architects talk at, at a large forum, which will be recorded. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff, including the Spring One Platform Conference in December. There's a discount code for that. But, but if you go to the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 104, you can get discounts for all those ones that we mentioned and see a bunch of fun conferences to go to. And, you know, except for a few that we go to because we feel like professionally we should go to them, most of these conferences that, that we mentioned are actually uh, excellent regional conferences you should go check out if you're in the area so you mm-hmm. can uh, you can learn all about Kotlin probably and other new tools <laughs> that, are, that are out there and uh, that,
1: that, that'll probably at your DevOps.
0: yeah yeah and and learn about uh, learn about what uh, digital transformation is and how you can automate your compliance if if one of Matt Ray or I are there and uh, and have fun with that you got anything you want to advertise Brandon
2: I don't. I don't have anything <laughs> exciting to to advertise. Yeah. Just look. Just you know what I should say? Just leave us a nice review in the iTunes Store. That's what we would really like. That is. nice. Maybe ask a question. Maybe ask a question in the in the iTunes Store, and we'll 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 answer it there. That would be even more fun.
0: Yes. With the Slack channel. And and as Brandon usually reminds us, as Matt Ray just did, we also have a Slack channel. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com dot com slash slack. Thanks to to SSH is dead. JJ. You can sign up automatically, and uh, you can get added. And they're defeating the asinine single sign-on scheme that Slack does not have. And uh, you can figure that all out. I saw, I saw that uh, somewhere Stuart Butterfield weighed in on some sort of tech in America thing. So all those podcast ads are paying off. Now Slack is part of the conversation about the state of the art in tech in the U.S., which is good, I guess. It all started, at, it all started as a game. And then next thing you know, it was Flickr, and then here we are again. Yep. But you just want to ask him every time
2: as if someone would just ask him, but what about anonymous user registration? Like, can't that be part of the narrative? Like, why can't it be part of the narrative? Like, why, Stuart? Why Why can't we just do
0: it? Yeah. But anyway, another yeah. day. Yeah. Another day. Well, speaking of uh, delightfulness, how about recommendations this week? How about we'll, uh, we'll start with you, Brandon? What do you got for us?
2: Well, we talk a lot about Johnny Lee Gen on this podcast. And we really talk about most of the time like how to avoid the lead gen and get what you want. But today, I want to uh, dive into the other side of it. So I recently had to buy a new car. Um, My old car essentially died. And uh, as I was doing my various comparison shopping, I ran across True Car. So uh, go to www.truecar.com. And so the way this works is they will give you information about what you should pay for the specific kind of car based on all the data they have. But then what they do is they take your information and they turn around and sell it or give it to, however you want to say it, uh, to local dealers in your area. And then they those dealers immediately start contacting you. Now this, and most of the time, would be very annoying. But when you're actually trying to buy a new car it's fantastic because I just came home one night I did everything I gave all my real information which is again something you don't rarely do and then my phone started uh, and people started emailing me but I needed to get a car very you know relatively quickly so it was awesome because I just basically told them exactly what I wanted and then I wanted them to start emailing me offers because of course I was doing massive comparison shopping and I was very quick to tell them that's what I was doing because they basically have my information from TrueCar, so they knew it. So I felt like the whole thing worked out really well because I had all these people calling, uh, and I was taking the calls. And then I, you know, then suddenly, you know, for once in your life, you know, you're on the other side. It's like, okay, this is what I want. How much would it cost? They're like, oh, I don't know. You need to come in. I was like, well, listen, this other guy's emailing me right now. So you want to email me something? <laughs> okay. uh, so it's fun. It's fun if you're when you're really are. It's maybe not fun to buy a car. It's, you know, it's a lot of money. It's uh, but it is nice. To uh, be on the other side of like, okay, let's just talk numbers. You know, yeah. let's not, uh, you know, so I actually got a bunch of different email offers and I I did use that to my advantage of going out and uh, hopefully getting a good deal. But as with every call I've ever bought, at the end, you're always like, this process is not good, even though True Car made it a little bit better in I'm never really sure if I paid too much. Like I just I even all yeah. with all the comparison stuff and the internet it's like car buying is very mysterious. Like who's getting paid, why they're getting paid. Um so I, that's a probably a story for another day. But you can make it a little bit better by uh using TrueCar. But I would only do it. Only put in your real information if you're really going to buy a car because you do get contacted quite a bit. Yeah. So good yeah.
0: luck. I I mean that does uh, oh my hotel room, I think, has decided that I'm no longer in here, and it's closing the blinds and turned off all the lights. That's, that's interesting. It's very dark that's in automation. here now. It's on me. IoT gone wild. Uh, anyways, hopefully I'm not going to be assassinated sometime soon here, but I'm not sure why I would be. Uh, yeah, buying a car is a terrible experience. I think maybe, that, uh, maybe that's like the number one purchase thing that's the most nerve-wracking for me because it's just like such an unknown thing, right? At least when you're buying a house – you have a real estate agent who's ostensibly on your side, and you can always test that out because you'll be like, I really like this house, and like, no, this is a shithole. We're going to go look at some more houses. So, you know, <laughs> they, they seem to be friendly. But yeah. Yeah, no, you know, we had that experience with a car. Like, we're like, hold on. I thought the price was going to be like, you know, 39000 How did this bill come out to $43,000? And you're like, I still don't understand what happened.
1: Undercarriage waxing.
0: Yeah, waxing. Well, how about yourself, Matt Ray? What's your recommendation?
1: Uh, I don't know if I recommended it before, so uh, I I plugged it in. Um, Movie Baby Driver, if you haven't seen it. uh, I I caught it in uh, New Zealand. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's been out for a while, so it's not exactly new, but... um, I'm kind of slowing on the uptake. So it was very good. Uh, if you if you liked Edgar Winter's other movies, uh, always good. Yeah, just a good heist movie with a great soundtrack. Highly recommended.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I saw that this past. We, we, uh, we had our, our kids go to my mom's without us. That's a new phenomenon in our family. I don't know. For anyone who has kids out there, you should look into this. Just dropping off your kids at the grandparents. The the TV came on, so now you can hear the background noise. Uh, but yeah, we saw that it was a good movie. They we went to the draft house and they had that director like uh, talking beforehand. And I always thought since he did like Shaun of the Dead and all these other movies that that Edgar guy was the blonde guy who's in all those movies. Uh, but he he's not. He's a different person. But uh, so my recommendation this week. So when I spoke at the OpenStack meetup last week, usually they order pizza, but because I was sponsoring it, I was like, Let, we should get tacos. So we ordered from Taco Deli, and I haven't really been there very much. Uh, it's a it's a good place. They delivered a bunch of tacos, and I think they do that thing where they like put a lot of butter in their uh, in their meat in their tacos, which you can kind of tell once it cools off and congeals. But they got good stuff. Their tortillas could be a little better, but you know that's a that's a little nit. So you should check out Taco Deli, and then uh, also, and in our infrequent recommendation for uh, you know hip hop that 40 year old white guys would like. I, I would recommend this person, Michael Christmas. I got two things to say on that. One, as as Brandon once said, we all need better mind medication, right? So, like, he he should probably look into that, but not if it creates problems in, in his music, uh, selfishly for me. And two, like, I need to do some research on when this phenomenon in hip-hop started where people would use their presumed real name instead of, uh, you know, what do you call it, their nicknames, their tag names, the stage name. Their stage Your, name, yeah. yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Christmas. Look into that. Lots of good songs. All right.
2: Check it out.
0: So uh, with that, this has been the Software Defined Talk podcast. As mentioned earlier, you can find the show notes for this episode at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 104. If you just take off the 104 from that URL, you can go see all the past episodes and uh, delightful things, the Slack channel, things like that. And as always, it's great if you leave a review for us or just recommend us in, uh, in your social holes or whatever. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.
3: Think of Michael Cera, I might be Jonah Hill, I might be awkward still, I might be out to kill, I might be at the party trying to score with a whore named Becca, only had two shots and I'm throwing up the liquor, George Michael Jr., she gon' let me smash maybe, after she see the video for daily, Uh, after she see the money I ain't making, after she see the way I make my bacon, smooth nigga rapping, it's not me. I could lose my car keys Faster than Nando moving pianos um. Y'all can still get duffed like Mick Lovin' I'm hard cousin Y'all some egg McMuffins Something, something Nigga, I ain't bluffing Always money in the business That banana stand budget Did you get that? You didn't? Well then you didn't Listen, I think I'm Michael Sarah Yeah Uh, uh. I think I'm Michael Sarah. Think of Michael Cera. So much money. Yeah, so much cash. <laughs> Think of Michael Cera, nigga. Uh. Verse two, coming with that O.E. brute over Miller with my nigga. Uh, Buster got the juice. Gang, gang got enough. Elder said the truth. She turned up more than me. We turned up more than you. They say I'm off that candy for your nose. What do you suppose? Losing all my major roles? Yeah. It's like if Michael Christmas one day wasn't booked for shows. What? Imagine Suplex Steve not jumping off the fucking ropes. Head busting like bone crushy, you bone suckers. Can never stop me. Just steal the stream and watch me. And as I practice using all this force in my garage, having dreams about throwing maybe mixed with N and the Minaj. Four bars harder than songs by doing the most Jones Rolling Stone. Getting messages like I got four phones. Hair grown, I'm a man, Holmes. Tryna bone bad bitches then I'm gone. I think I'm Michael Sarah. I think I'm Michael Sarah Motherfucker uh, I think I'm Michael Sarah. I think I'm Michael Sarah Yes bitch yes. yes off the kid, kid. Nigga I'm Super, super bad ayy, super bad, soup, super bad, ayy, super bad, soup, super bad, ah. Uh. So nigga um, super bad, soup, super bad, ayy, super bad, soup, super bad, ayy, super bad, soup, super bad, super bad, super, super bad, super, super bad uh. I think I'm Michael Sarah. <laughs>